You're listening to audio from Noest Anglican. If you'd like to find out more about us, visit noest.org. Hello and welcome to another week of the Norwest Anglican podcast, Going Deeper. We do this because we want to go deeper into God's Word. We want to uh, dwell in it and we have the preacher from our Sunday services, James Lewis, with us. Hey, James. Hey, hey, hey. Um, as we begin, uh, I've been meaning to do this for a little while. I want a shout out to uh, some friends in Wales who are listening to the podcast on a regular basis. One of our, one of my dear friends who comes to our 4.30 congregation, his mum and a bunch of friends regularly listen to the podcast and sermons. So, uh, g'day to you guys. Uh, delighted that you're joining us regularly to hear the podcast all the way from beautiful Wales. Fantastic. Yeah. Are they in Cardiff or? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, you're stretching my, my knowledge there. Somewhere. Well, yeah. hello to Wales. Yes. And hello to. If I could speak Welsh, I would. we could greet them. But uh... Well, you could do a West Country accent and see where we go, but yeah. we, we might lose our Welsh listeners <laughs> if we right. do that. So. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so hello to everyone who's out there listening. We, we're really thankful that you've made this time to uh, to join us on our quest as we continue the path through Isaiah. It's been a, a really helpful and um, weighty time as we've worked through Isaiah so far. Uh, we're in Isaiah 52 and 53 today uh, off the back of uh, Sunday's sermon where we, we just saw this passage, which, as you pointed out, James, uh, comes to us with the great risk of over-familiarity mm. uh, for those of us who've grown up in churches, especially those of us who've grown up in churches where there's an emphasis on biblical theology and seeing Jesus from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, this passage, Isaiah 53, uh, and spe- spe- in particular verse 6, I suppose, um, is very, very familiar to us. Mm. I thought you did a really fantastic job at helping it to be fresh and mm. helping it to be something that is new and God's word to us today. And uh, I think you served us, served us really, really well. So um, one of the things that was really lovely about uh, the across the day was that there were a lot of comments um, in questions and comments, which uh, often is an indicator that people have really um, reflected on what the passage has to say for them mm. and they want to share that by yeah. the, with the help of the Holy yeah. Spirit and, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And so there were a number of comments of just people edifying brothers and sisters in the gathering and it was mm. yeah, it was wonderful all day. Mm. Uh, but there are a few questions as well yes. and so a few things that can get us like into uh, Isaiah 53 for the podcast. There was a couple of ones um, which were asking about things about the grave. I want to start, sorry, asking things about the text. I want to start in Isaiah 53 verse uh, verse 12 was where the question came. This came from one of our teenagers at uh, Chapel Lane. Uh, and we might look at it sort of verse, um, probably look at verse 10 to 12, I suppose. The question was, this is obviously talking about Jesus and we've brought that out in the passage. And yet uh, God says in verse 12, I will give him a portion among the great. And so... If this is as we talk about, if this is we're talking about Jesus, well, isn't everything is his? Mm. How do we get to this idea that he has a portion uh, among the great? Um, we know it's talking about Jesus. Verse ten, uh, which is in that little block, says it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Uh, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong. This is clearly talking about Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can start at this reading it as it is and you and the sense in which in kind of Old Testament world 
this is a, a description of vindication and victory, you know. So you've suffered, you've uh, done the right thing and therefore you're rewarded um, and there's that sense of, of victory brings um, brings spoils um, and triumph and so you get a, a portion, that share of the victory. So in like a, like a military sense? Yeah, like often if, you think of it that way, don't you? Like, yeah. you know, when you conquer, you get that the, the tributes of war or the spoils of war and so on. Um, and so it's just that's it's not saying directly that, it's just picking up on that image of that's what it looks like to be victorious in Old Testament kind of mindset. Um, and, and so we go, well, how, how does that work for Jesus since he already had it all? Um, and uh, I think you've got that sense of, I mean, you see it in Jesus' life who walks the earth. He already has everything and yet he's um, he limits himself uh, deliberately for the sake of, um, of taking on our nature and serving and, and dying for us and so on. Um, and so then Philippians uh, chapter 2 picks that up, that having done all that, uh, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we, we get a sense then that actually the victory that Isaiah 53 is kind of pointing to, the spoil, is actually um, Jesus' lordship. Uh, he's being um, celebrated and praised by people. Um, which is very much the when you look at the New Testament, the, the reward of um, faithfulness and reward of, um, of serving Jesus is, is not that you get a bigger room in heaven or you know um, but you actually get to see the joy of people um, celebrating Jesus and enjoying the, the eternal worship with you. Um, yeah so, so so perhaps it's helpful then as we think about reading those words in verse 12, if we place the emphasis instead of the portion, it seems like you're saying, the, the victory sort of conquest language would um, is helping us to see that like the emphasis should be among the fact that it's among the great. Mm. So he'll have a portion yeah, among yeah, the yeah. great and he will divide the spoils. We're not focusing on what's the division of the spoils that he gets, but it's he's with the strong, he's with mm. the ones who've conquered. Uh, and that's a, um, a cloudy, hazy picture pre-Jesus mm. of what this, you know, what's this going to look like? Yeah. Um, but uh, in Jesus that comes through and we see that he is the great one mm. and he is the ult- the ultimate conqueror. And as you've pointed us to, um, yeah, these passages will show that he um, is exalted by God and he yeah. is the Lord of all and yeah. he is the one who has conquered and victorious. Yeah, and I think you see that um, particularly in this chapter in the Old Testament in Isaiah, you see lots of these um uh, little shoots and lines being sent out saying, well, we're not sure quite how that'll work out. Um, if you're reading Isaiah, like as an Old Testament reader, I'm not sure how it quite works out, but there's, there's a, I can see there's a trajectory, a path being pushed into the future. And I can't, it's hazy ahead how it works, but I can see there's this line of sacrifice, this line of vindication, this line of suffering, this line of, you know, glory and so on being pushed out. And then you, as an Old Testament reader, you're thinking, well, who could that be? How, how is that going to happen? Um, and, w- and so that sense of waiting and expectation should be the response for a first-time yeah. reader. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. And I suppose it leads us to a question of, um, which is something that I've been thinking about a little bit as we've been walking through Isaiah, of is it possible that we can get hung up too much on this question of what did it mean to the original readers? Now, I, I'm wading into dangerous territory <laughs> when I say that because it's an important part of our the exegetical task is to, you know, to, to work out what did it say then and then how is that changed post-Jesus. Mm. And so that's an important thing to do. But I wonder if we get, to, uh, if, if it's possible that we can get stuck there 
And then we can be satisfied if we feel like we've got a grip on what it means to the original hearers and not continue the task of exegesis through to understanding it uh, with greater clarity mm. in light of Christ. But then, as we saw last weekend yesterday, we you know to bring us to praise mm. and to bring us to exaltation of Jesus mm. and worshipping the vindicated king that Jesus that God has sent in his son. Mm. Mm. It, do you think that's a danger for us? I think it's both and because there's the danger of the, I don't really need to read this because we know how it's fulfilled in Jesus. And so we just jump there and that's that kind of sloppy biblical theology, if you like. Um, but there's absolutely the danger of just kind of, you know, almost being a commentator on Isaiah alone um, and f- and forgetting, ignoring that Jesus says all the Bible, the whole of history, all of the Old Testament is fulfilled in him. Yep. He said, you know, in Luke 24 to his disciples post-resurrection. Um, and so as we read and we do our really, you know, thoughtful work in Isaiah 53, we should be then going, okay, but it's going to reach its fulfilment. All the questions and the loose ends that I have are going to be resolved and tied up in Jesus. And so that um, as you kind of see something and you go, wow, you know, that, that idea of um, being numbered with the transgressors or being an offering for sin, um, you're looking for that to be resolved and fulfilled in Jesus. And so that's where our trajectory at always should end with Jesus because he fulfills it all. Yeah, okay, that's helpful. So as we're looking in the Old Testament, we should slow down, we should ask those questions, but our, uh, the task of exegesis is not complete if, we've underst- if, we, if we know, oh, this is what it might have meant to the original hearers, nor is it complete if we go, and this is how it's fulfilled in Jesus. The task of exegesis is completed when we, when we respond to that and we praise or we mm. worship or we confess or yeah. we... You know, our heartfelt response to the majesty of Jesus as revealed in Isaiah. Yeah. And so I love that phrase that says that um, doxology, sorry, theology, the study of God, reading the Bible and thinking about God must always lead to doxology, must always lead to praise. Otherwise you you haven't understood. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, We were thinking a little bit about... um, uh, in, in one of the, the questions and comments section, this idea of uh, you know, living out our identity in Christ. And um, I think it was, there were a few people throughout the day who were struck by um, this concept that I can sort of get my head around the idea that I'm forgiven of my sin, mm. but the idea that I am righteous, mm. that God has not just not a negative view of me, but a distinctly positive view of me, mm. that's... yeah. Difficult to get our heads around. Yeah, um, it's quite scandalous when we say those things as sinners. Yeah, can you give us some pointers on how do we how do we live out our identity in Christ? Um, helpfully, how do we? What's appropriate language for us to talk about ourselves as in terms of sinners, mm. as saints, mm. and what sort of mindset should we have as we pray, as we speak with our brothers and sisters in Christ? How, how do we, how do we helpfully do that? Yeah, that's um, that's a whole other podcast series. I think um, I'm picking all that. Um, I I think the key thing is to understand that it's always in Christ. Um, so it's because of Jesus and because you belong to Jesus that that status that um, that you're not just forgiven, but you're actually um, Christ gives you His righteousness, um, and and it's not that you suddenly become perfect but that your status changes. So God sees you, um, declares you to be righteous because 
um, of Jesus. So it's sort of a what they call an alien righteousness, if you like. It's not ours by our nature and behaviour, but it's actually given to us. It's from Jesus, and that's the kind of being united with him, caught up with him. Um, understanding that means that that guards against pride because it's not me. Um, it belongs to him. And so then that means our direction of our thought and prayers should be like, wow, Jesus is amazing. Uh, I want to cling to him, remain in him um, because he's He's my my safe place, my um, my high tower, my stronghold, my my rescue. Um, and, and, and so I want him to be celebrated and exalted. And so what I don't want people to go is, oh, wow, isn't James really amazing or isn't he really godly or, or you know, like that. But actually to go, well, isn't Jesus amazing because that's mm. – He's the one who's done it, and he, he's the, the proper um, directed um, object of our praise. Yeah. yeah, and it should. It's interesting that you talk about you know how it uh, influences our prayers because it's going it's to lead us to prayer, isn't it? Mm. As we remember that we we don't come before God as people who are seeking to um, satisfy Him or yeah, if we're just nice, we'll placate his anger. Because mm. That's all sorted for us. Yeah. We come to him as children. There's a real a real safety and security there. Is. there. there, there is. Yeah. And as we do that, that means that we can just speak freely with him. Mm. We mm. don't have to be guarded. Mm. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be nervous. We can just speak with him. Mm. Mm. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's that. Um, it's what the you know theologians call assurance. Yeah. Um, security. It's, it's um, enormous confidence uh, in Christ. Yeah. 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 I was having a conversation with one lady after 10.30 uh, about, and, and she was quite moved yesterday by, um, by this, this idea that she was, is found righteous in Christ. Mm. And she articulated that she'd been, praying for the feeling to catch up with her knowledge mm. and she feel like she got that a little bit yesterday. Yeah, wow. That's so um, cool. Which was wonderful. Um, and she was talking, as, as we were talking and we, we were praying together and we were, but we were thinking about the, um, the danger of cheap grace mm. with some of these lofty and wonderful theological concepts of, oh, yeah, we're found righteous in Christ. And she said, well, but you can imagine the non-Christian world saying, well, therefore you just have a liberty to sin, mm. right? So what's the point of that? Uh, and we were talking together about Romans 2 and where God has been patient with people and he says, says Romans 2 verse 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realising that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Mm. And just thinking about the 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 wealth of... Um, assurance that is ours in Christ is there to lead us to repentance and obedience and living a life with him. Yeah. And if we take these lofty ideas and we go, well, I'm not going to examine my life at all then, well, then we've misunderstood it as well, yeah, exactly. like we have with the task of excuses. Yeah, and if, if cheap grace kind of turns um, grace into kind of like an exchange, you know, oh, I just get this, right, great, fine, you know, and forget the relationship so that, um, when when you belong to Christ and you're so stunned by Him and and you you know you know I'm fall short and but He's amazing and so there's no desire oh, I can just do what I like it's actually yeah I, I'm not quite sure how and I struggle with it but I want to live for Him I want to serve Him I know that that's that's where my proper fruit and joy comes from rather than you know oh yeah I get to do what I like now um, 
so yeah, I think that's the whole thing. You haven't understood the relationship that it's not just a oh you got a, a little free ticket, you know, into heaven, so you can do what you like. Yeah. Um, but it's actually the security and insurance is a relational one mm. that changes you and yeah. you know lifts your eyes. So yeah, it leads me to another reflection. I've been listening to another podcast at the, um, the You're Not Crazy podcast by uh, Ray Ortland and Sam Albury, part of the Gospel Coalition. Mm. Network of podcasts, and uh, they were talking about how when you grasp that God is not just merciful to you, but gracious. That is not just the forgiveness of sins, but there's also the granting of life and joy. Um, that ought to produce, and it, it will produce when you grasp that a a culture in a church of generosity with one mm. another, and gracious with one another, and realness with mm. one another. Um, so I wonder as we and this is a question that I haven't prepared you for at all as soon as it was coming because it only came into my mind 30 seconds ago. But what what are some of the ways that you feel like if we get Isaiah 53 and all, all of Isaiah 40 to 66, if we grasp that to the core of our being, what are some of the ways that's going to transform our, our life together as a church? So, I mean, I think um, humility is a big one because we recognise, you know, nothing. I'm nothing but what the grace of God has given me in the sense of that spiritual sense. Um, everything is a gift. So so there's a humility there rather than a pride or um, there will be a, a generosity with each other um, because as God has been generous to us, we go, wow, you know, it's far be it for me to be so stingy with, you know, my life with others. Um, and, and I think probably a gentleness too because we recognise, um, yeah, I you know, we're all struggling and we're, we're only blessed because of Jesus. Mm. Um, I think also... Um, I was, I was, came up, I was chatting with someone yesterday that sometimes we, I think what we, because our lives uh, in our society are so busy and there's so many voices kind of feeding in and competing for our attention, we um, we end up doing this kind of um, unknowing sacred secular divide. So it, we come on Sunday because you know, it's important and then we have a moment where because the attention is focused, you know, we sing and we pray and we hear God's word and so on and, and it seems to clear. And then, but then we go to work or whatever and that, that kind of evaporates. And so I think we ha- one of the signs that a community is really living out, Isaiah 53 and the grace of God, is that we, we talk about Jesus a lot mm. um, and, uh, and we, we're thankful throughout our week because it's not just um, a, an activity that I do on Sunday that works, but actually it's my whole of life. And so I think that that's a sign um, that that it's we're not doing that sort of sacred secular divide in our lives. It's actually kind of influencing everything. That's really helpful. I've been doing a little bit of prep for a sermon that I've got later on in the series in Isaiah fifty-seven to fifty-nine, and I um, I had a similar reflection actually. That this this has implications for our Monday to Friday, mm. perhaps more so than it does Sunday. our Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's thinking for me to do in that because even you know, where we work in ministry and so it's, you might think from the outside that, well, mm. therefore you must just be sort of- All the know, time, yeah. just Thinking about Jesus all the time, <laughs> reading the Bible all the time and uh, wonderful godly people who don't <laughs> sin all of the time. Um, but it's very easy to do ministry or it's, 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 it's very easy to fall into the trap of, of doing ministry in a way where you're not prayerful and you're not conscious of who God is and how he's working and you find yourself into- Get yourself into a hole when that happens. Yeah, so. exactly. So, yeah, so that's right. And I think I, I've always found starting each day with that just thankfulness, like, you know, just one marveling that God brought the sun up again, you know, to use that language. 
um, it's another day and counting your blessings, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that frames things differently. So it's actually, this is, an, this is another day that God's given. It's yeah. not Sunday's the only day, but every day is a day that God's given. Yeah. yeah. I remember Keith Condy, who's a, a guy who, um, a, lot of, a lot of wisdom, a lot, very, very pastoral guy uh, in Sydney, and he was at a clergy conference and he was talking about how he loves trees. Yeah. And he's just, he, he makes a conscious effort when he's outside to look at trees and just see the intricate detail of the way they move in the wind, they rustle, and just how God is the one who's made this. Mm. And that helps mm. him. Mm. We're quite a way off track, James, yeah, so let's, let's right. come back. Right. Um, we, had, uh, we had a question. This is a delightful question at, uh, at Chapel Lane, our evening service from one of our, uh, our teenagers um, who is actually a budding little evangelist at the moment. He's got a troop of his mates who've come along to youth as well uh, at, at, uh, at this time. Um, and he said he was talking to one of his uh, one of his friends at at school who goes to a different um, youth group, and his friend was expressing to him that uh, he doesn't feel like he needs to go to ch- to church or to youth uh, because God loves him anyway, mm-hmm. and so um, he'll go if he feels like it. He won't go if he doesn't feel like it, and that's his sort of like approach. And uh, and the boy from uh, from Northwest and from our youth was like. I didn't know how to respond to him at that time. but So I'd love to hear your thoughts on mm. uh, what, what, how you answered him and, and any other thoughts you might have because I think it links back to that question of this the stuff that, they're talk, that we're yeah, talking about living here, out, yeah, the, the right. living out our yeah, identity Yeah, really got it, yeah. I mean, I, I think that kind of comment that the friend made is is unfortunately one of the outworkings of, you know, Bible Belt, um, take it all for granted. Mm. Um, so you can think about different parts of the world where, you know, having a church, <laughs> having a youth group where you've got leaders who are trained and want to, you know, invest in teenagers, such a blessing and a, a joy and to think, oh, yeah, I don't really feel like it. I think that's a reflection of complacency in, in Bible Belt but also um, just the consumerist mindset we sometimes have. You know, it doesn't really tickle my fancy this week, you know, oh, something else is on. Um, and so I think that the sadness of that is that it, you rob yourself of, God, is, God hasn't just rescued you as an individual but into a, a community. Um, and so he gives you your church, your youth group, to bless you and, and encourage you and strengthen you um, and for you to be a blessing to others. Um, and so we f- then forget actually just by being there, um, even if you're not, you know, you don't do anything spectacular on that Friday night or whatever, but, but being there and being part of the community is a blessing to others. Um, and so you miss that chance to be a, a blessing and, and receive a blessing. Um, I remember there's a hearing a story about I think uh, the old um, kind of pastor from several hundred years ago, John Bunyan talks about sitting. Um, there was a guy in his network who'd stopped going to church. Said, "I don't need to go to church. I can believe on my own and be fine." Um, and so they're talking about. And as they were talking, they were sitting in front of a big fire, and there's a big stone hearth, and and, he, and John Bunyan took with a, the tongs, took one of the coals out of the fire. It was red hot. And he just placed it on the stone away from the fire. And as they were talking, that coal went slowly darker and colder. And then having listened to this man explain it all, he said, if you think you don't need God's church, that's what happened to your faith. Mm. You pull yourself out of the community, um, out of the, the kind of the fire of, of God's community. So I think it's it's such a tragedy when people say, oh, I don't feel like I need it. Um, I think you haven't, a person has understood what a blessing yeah. God's church is. The, the consumerist uh, 
mindset is is a real danger for us, isn't it, in the mm. West, where our impulse determines what we do so often. Yeah. Uh, and the Bible tells us that often our impulses are sinful. And we don't even know our own hearts. We don't. Jeremiah says. That's know. right. That's <laughs> right. And it's a great danger for us. And I think it, it's it's at one level for those of us, I mean, most people listening to this will be adults and not teenagers. Mm. I think most um, adults uh, can will see that sort of blatant consumerism in a um, in a teenager mm. and go, oh, that's, well, that's yeah. immature. Yeah, that's right. But we do the very sim- very very similar things as adults. It just looks different. Yeah, and we just have different reasons for why it's not why church is not you know, tickling our fancy yeah. for any time. And so yeah, you know, because we don't feel that um, uh, yeah the community is um, you know particularly warm on one Sunday or we feel this or we feel that and it's very much of what am I getting out of church? What what does church do in order for me to get there? Mm. And whilst we want to be sympathetic to those concerns, there's also a message that says you've just got to be there. Mm. You've just got to meet with God's people. Mm. We're commanded to do it mm. and wisdom says for all those reasons that you've mentioned, yeah. one of my, you're going to struggle. One of my great joys and and highlights on a Sunday is, you know, been, I've been in Norwest for 10 years um, and being on staff, you, you know a lot of people's stories, just um, what's going on for them. And you see people who are struggling with mental health or chronic illness or you know that their family situation is very difficult. Um, they've got, you know, struggling with parenting. Um, there's loneliness there for the singles. Um, and, and there's a thousand reasons for them not to come on a Sunday. And when you see them walk up the driveway and come in, you're just like, wow, yeah. that's, that's, um, that's God's work and it's so encouraging because I think for many of them they know I, I, I need to be here yeah. um, as well as that. It, and it's a, it's a blessing and it's encouragement to me. It ministers to me yeah. um, to see them do that. And I think um, that's just the, 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 the beautiful tapestry of churches that there's people doing really well, people you know on top of the world and flourishing in their lives, and others just struggling, and that's that's all one big family together. And um, and God says in Ephesians three that this is, is to the heavenly realms. He's just showing off His mercy and kindness, He's saying, "Look, look at my church. Look what I did. Yeah. You know, look what look what I've done amongst them." And and they're just the, His pride and joy, you're like. Like you might, you know, when Zoe started walking and you're like showing people, yeah, she's walking, you know, isn't it exciting? You yeah. know, that's what, how God feels about his church with all yeah. our foibles and sin. So. And we are so much stronger together because mm. as you, you know, there's, there could be 150 different lives that are just holding together and then they meet mm. and it's a wonderful community. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing yeah. thing that yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Good note to finish on. Yes. Uh, friends, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you do like and um, uh, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice so you get notified every week we release our, this podcast. Uh, there's plenty more feasting to go on in Isaiah, so we're looking forward to that. Have, have a great week. Thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you found this resource helpful, we encourage you to connect with us at norwest.org.